Well, good afternoon, everyone, on this beautiful Sabbath day. I was just last night saying, boy, how much I appreciate the Sabbath. I don't, uh, all the things that you think about or are concerned about or this and that, you just put out of your mind, basically, and serve God and worship Him and keep your foot off the Sabbath. I had... Uh, something on my mind pretty heavily, in fact, yesterday, which I probably should mention here, not that I want to get into it much because it is the Sabbath, but on the other hand, it has to do with us and the the church here. Uh, It's been established by these rebels on our place that uh, they now want their land surveyed so they know exactly where their lot is and uh, our attorney contacted me and said we have our part to pay in that uh, 13 shares as opposed to their 21 and it'll be somewhere in the 20,000s for the whole thing but our share will be a little over somewhere above 7000 I don't remember exactly. Uh, but he wanted a $5,000 down payment to the lawyer firm to activate this and get the survey actually done. And I've been frustrated, I guess, for a long time. Uh, I didn't hire a shark for a lawyer. I hired a pretty nice guy, actually. Uh, which in some ways I think I regret. I like him, but I am not real wild about the way he's gone about this because from the very beginning he thought I had written or said something about maybe someday the leases would be turned to ownership. I don't remember saying anything quite that way, but whatever it is that he saw in the contract or somewhere worried him that we might eventually lose the case. And I didn't see it that way. Um, If you've done much sports, you know that there's two ways to approach a contest, be it baseball, football, basketball, whatever. And one is you play to win. You play all out to win. There's nothing in your mind in a competitive way that says, uh, we might lose. I never went into a basketball thinking, basketball game thinking, what if we lose? I was there playing to win. And that's all that was on my mind, not what if I lose. Now, sometimes we lost. But it wasn't because of mental attitude or approach. It was we were outnumbered and outgunned. (laughs) Uh, We did the best we could to win. The other method is you play not to lose. You'll see uh, football coaches do this sometimes. Instead of going ahead and pushing on fourth down uh, to get the first down and the touchdown if they're down close, you'll see them back off and maybe kick a field goal. And with the score the way it might be at that moment, 
it's not an all-out-to-win effort. It's a, let's get some, even if we lose. So it's, it's a little different attitude. I'm playing to win, or I'm playing not to lose. And that sometimes affects the way you do things. And that's kind of the way this thing has been all along. Uh, my intent was to win, but we compromised and compromised and compromised until we lost. Uh, in terms of these people getting the land that they thought they should own. Uh, so, you spend years and many tens of thousands of dollars and your fear of playing not to lose catches up with you. <laughs> well, I've been kind of frustrated with him and I've let him know that a couple of times recently. He hasn't, he hasn't resigned and I haven't fired him, but I think the horse has come out of the barn as it is already. Uh, I've always felt that God would cause this thing to turn out right in the long run in any case. And he says the rebels of Anathoth are going to be turned out into the tribulation there in Jeremiah 11, and I believe that scripture. So whether they're holding a deed or not, God has his ways of getting people gone. And I do believe that that is the ultimate outcome here, so... I'm not in that sense too worried about it, but I do have to come up with 5000 to get this thing started and over 7000 to get it finished so that they have it in hand. And I wrote him a note and I says, we didn't want this. We, weren't, we were happy with our lease. We were not trying to own the land. This has been their thing all along when they held back over 40000 in lease payments over several years. They were trying to force me into giving them their land by bankrupting me is what they were trying to do in the church. That failed, but they're the ones who have been trying to do this all along. So I said, if they want a survey, why don't they pay for all of it? Why should we pay for part of it? Is the way I look at that. But he says, well... Uh, the judge is going to put the property up for sale to the highest bidder if we don't do it. That's been his opinion for quite some time. We do have a judge who's very, very strange. Uh, the attorney even said he's the weirdest judge he's ever worked with. That wasn't the exact word he used, but I won't use the word he used. Uh, so we're in strange hands there, but then that's the way the courts are these days, <laughs> wherever you go, uh, pretty much. So I think rather than risk that, it's better if we go ahead and let them have their survey and we even finance uh, what they would call our share of it. I said, the TIC's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So why do we have to proportion according to that? Uh, but he says, well, the judge will just simply declare it to be sold to the highest bidder. And then what happens if it's sold to the highest bidder, the whole parcel that was TIC? Uh, whoever buys it, whether it's one of these polygs over here, uh, he'll be either raising our rent or moving us out, which they could do if they now own the property. 
or it could even be uh, someone who is a rebel that I think has enough money probably to do it from uh, a lawsuit over asbestos uh, might be able to pull that off. And in that case, your rent would go up and all kinds of things would happen because they want us gone and don't like us. So uh, I don't want to let that happen to you, that uh, your rent get raised from a hundred, hundred and fifty to five or six hundred or a thousand or whatever they wanted to do to give you an acre uh, and so on. So uh, I just wanted to apprise you of that. I'm going to try to accomplish this without asking you for any money. Uh, to help pay for it. Uh, I've been anticipating it for some time and preparing for it. And uh, I think I can get it covered. Uh, so, if anybody has lots of money laying around and want to help with it, you're welcome to. <laughs> Otherwise, though, I plan on taking care of it, uh, and I believe I can. Uh, so, that's kind of where we stand on that. I haven't said anything about it in a long time, but uh, we had a stipulation that was going to allow them to have a couple of wells and reroute the water, so we had our system and they had their system. That was all settled in a stipulation, and then the judge threw that out. Uh, so we had things settled, and what would happen, and he threw that out, so uh, even if I help pay for the survey, we still have some issues on the table that haven't been dealt with, and I don't know how that's going to actually turn out, uh, whether we'll ever get to trial or not, who knows, it's gone on for years, but uh, uh, we'll just see, I'll play it a little at a time, and my trust is in God, I believe He gave us this place, I believe He's blessed us in it. I believe there are those who didn't quite see the picture and have rebelled and have gone their way, and they have lied, they have stolen, they have broken some of God's commandments. Uh, some of them are sitting here that aren't even Sabbath keepers anymore. They keep part of it, but not all of it. And on and on it goes. Uh, some don't tithe and haven't for years and years. Well, those are God's laws. Those aren't those aren't anything I instituted. Uh, God did. And if they're not willing to follow His ways, then uh, God is not on their side. Let's put it that way. Uh, we have our own sins, our own faults, our own weaknesses, and so on. Everybody does. But those who are seeking to obey Him, and essentially are, are the ones that He is going to side with. So I firmly believe God is on our side, not theirs. And I think this will come out to show that when it's all said and done. <clears throat> but anyway, that's what's going on at this time on that front. Now we had the fast uh, about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and we kept that, and I spent several sermons going through Jeremiah's lament about that, about what happened and 
how it happened and how he felt about it all and was having difficulty handling it and yet he looked to God and he had hope, as he said in chapter 3, because God forgives and gives us fresh life every day. Uh, when the sun comes up, we've got a fresh lease on life because God is very forgiving and loving and kind and merciful if we are seeking Him. So even in that really dark book, He gives a little hope here and there. Uh, so, and yet on the other hand, He describes some pretty horrible things in there about famine and pestilence and eating children and various things that went on in that siege and will go on again in our nation. So I want to take off of that a bit today because I said it had happened to the church. Now it is going to happen to the nation. Now, do we see any signs of that? Does it appear that that is very close or not? How do we know that we have come to the point that we should be very aware of it, let's say? Uh, was Jeremiah talking through his hat, or is it still two or three or four hundred years away, as some believe, who were actually members of the church and still claim to be? Uh, Matthew 24 gives us some uh, insight. Christ has been talking here about the time of the end in chapter 24. We'll review a little bit of it. But let's go to verse 32. We're in discussing the end of the world and His return. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise, you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. He uses the fig tree to show that when you see the leaves coming there, you know that the season of summer is about on you because that is a sign that is just there. It can't be argued with. It can't be put off. Uh, when those leaves start coming on, you know spring, summer is coming. When we see everything blooming in the spring, we know summer is near. Will it be a fig tree or other trees or grass or flowers or whatever? We know the season is about to turn. Now, when he says, when you see all these things, what is he talking about? Well, all these things he's been discussing. Then he gives the parable so that you'll know when all these things in chapter 24 are coming to pass. They said there'd be no stone left on the temple, and I think if you look at the church, it's pretty well all stood up, and there's uh, not many stones stacked anywhere. But he says that would come. In verse 6, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, that's been going on for some time. There have been wars all over the earth, there are constantly rumors of new wars. 
they had a coup in Niger recently, and there's a rumor of a, a big war starting there that may include all of Africa before it's done. So, it's on the news constantly. A, a war here, a war there. Uh, where are we going to start another war? Somebody else start another war? Uh, but don't be troubled by that. For these things have to come to pass, but the end is not yet. Then he says, it goes beyond that. For nations shall rise against nation, and there are nations at odds with each other all over the earth right now, dozens of them, and kingdom against kingdom. Uh, and you see, right now, the pieces being put in place for a bigger war. Uh, the U.S. and NATO are fighting Russia through Ukraine instead of head-to-head -head at the moment, but it's becoming more head-to-head -head as the days go by. And behind all that is lining up a greater power, a superpower stronger than the United States. Uh, you have the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa that have been allied for some years now. But we have six more nations joining them. Uh, they've already really joined, but they won't be formally announced as fully joined until the beginning of 2024. And there's three notable ones there. Uh, Ethiopia and in, or Egypt don't count for much, uh, you know, that kind joining them. But the three primary ones in that group of six is Saudi Arabia, uh, the United Arab Emirates, and Iran. Now, those are three that produce a majority of the oil in the world, apart from Russia, uh, but most of it right there in the Middle East, and those countries in particular, uh, they're not going to trade in U.S. dollars for oil. You can bet on that. <clears throat> They've already started using their own currency, some of them, <clears throat> instead of the dollar, and have bypassed it. And more and more dollars are showing up on our shores, and that's creating a great deal of inflation. Uh, I read recently that over the last year, the cost of living for the average American has gone up 32%. That was in 2022, not counting how it's gone up more in 2023. No telling where it'll wind up eventually. But it's getting harder and harder to buy food and buy gasoline and take care of our expenses. It's just getting... Uh, pretty bad. I saw diesel the other yesterday or day before Thursday, I guess, at 5:35 in western Colorado, or was it Utah? Somewhere in there, uh, where it had been 4:15 to four and a quarter at some stations. Now it's 4:85 and up above five dollars in places. Well above five dollars in California already, and gasoline included. So, do we see things getting tighter, I guess? Uh, there will be famines, 
Are we seeing our food supply diminished, destroyed before our very eyes with fires, with hurricanes? If you look at a map, almost all of Canada has been on in a blaze for, what, a couple of months now? It's been quite a while, and those fires were not natural fires, they were set. And when they get some of them put out, uh, more are started. That's what's been going on. And that's burning a lot of timber, it's burning a lot of uh, pasture land, and a lot of uh, arable land as well for crops. So their food supply is being diminished. We've seen plants that produce food blown up left and right and burned up for the last year and a half or so. Uh, and it's continuing. And uh, Louisiana had a great big uh, explosion in a refinery yesterday. And they normally produce 585,000 barrels of oil a day. Uh, and I don't know whether they're completely shut down or partially, but things like this just keep happening. Do you think for a moment that Lahaina, Hawaii being obliterated was natural? All you have to do is read a few reports and see that it is very, very likely that they used DEW, D-E-W. That used to stand for Distant Early Warning System uh, of us being invaded. It doesn't anymore. Now it's um, can't say the first word D directed energy war or weapons and they have developed that capacity to direct energy, power, sunlight down to a certain spot I did this as a kid did you ever take Kleenex or toilet tissue or something and take a magnifying glass and get it just right and you can actually direct energy to that paper and set it afire. I've done it. Now that's just a simple little kid trick. What do they have with satellites and huge glass that they can directed even more powerfully. And they've been developing these things for quite some time. And now in Hawaii, you can't send a robot over to film where this started. Somebody tried it. And he's a licensed drone man. And they shot his drone down, and then the authorities came to visit him. They don't want it seen or filmed. They blocked people, the police did, from leaving Lahaina when it was burning. Those people had to run jump in the ocean, and a lot of them died there. Ships that had moved away out in the harbor were hit and set afire. And it turns out that before the fire ever occurred, Lahaina has been... Uh, a historic city uh, on the register of historical cities and places and things in our nation. 
for a long time because it's an older town with a lot of uh, picturesque old buildings and so on. So it was a historical town. Just before this fire, they removed that, or just before, just after, they removed that and made it available to the not the public really, but they did this. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, where they take over your land for a freeway. Somebody will say it. All right, I'll think of it in a minute. Where they just simply take the land. Eminent domain, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, and they've done that at Lahaina, and it turns out <clears throat> that that town had been spoken for by some very, very wealthy people. The Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates type of people. And they want to put huge condos in there and make it a fabulous tourist resort and a place for the elites to go. Elites have been buying over on that island recently. Oprah just bought around close to a thousand acres over there not long ago. And others have done the same thing. So this has been in the works. It was planned. They simply wiped out an American city. Just like that. You think they can do it again? They had the power to do that. They can do it any, really anywhere they want to. You can be sitting there thinking you're doing fine and suddenly get fried. It's also said that a lot of children disappeared. So is that your child slavery? They make a lot of money selling those kids to Bill Clinton and uh, Joe Biden and whoever they market them to and others. And then when those people get done with them, they harvest the organs. I heard a child's kidneys going for around 30 grand. Uh, so they harvest all their organs. They can get quite a bit out of them after they've abused and misused them. This is a huge thing in the world today. And they use these so-called natural disasters as a time for these kids to disappear and then they're missing. You think a hundred and some people has all died in Lahaina with all that fire? They found people huddled in their homes, families huddled together and incinerated. No, a lot of people are missing. Did some of them get spirited out of there while they were still alive and then the whole thing was burned to cover it? I don't doubt it for a moment, knowing the kind of people that we have today influencing things. Now, I guess I shouldn't imply that Bill Clinton and Joe Biden are uh, using some of these kids. But if you see the manifest list of the plane going over to Love Island uh, with Jeffrey, what's his name? Uh, there were a lot of pretty notable people on there. And a lot of those kids are going over there. I had a sister-in-law 40 years ago that just simply disappeared. No trace. No nothing. Never contacted. She was only 19, 20. 
never contacted a family member again, just disappeared off the face of the earth. No one's heard from her since. I always wondered, what happened? She could have very easily been kidnapped and trafficked. Who knows? But kids are disappearing all the time, and nobody knows where they go. Or do we? There'll be famines and pestilences, diseases. I hear right now, there's a lot in the news about it. Uh, not the mainstream news, but uh, the others are saying that they're going to put the mass mandate back on this fall. And you'll have to either have a mandate, I mean a mask, or be locked down is the term. Does that mean locked down in your home? Or does that mean locked down in one of Hillary's FEMA fun camps? Uh, I read some reports that they're intending to arrest people if they find out they're not vaccinated. And if once arrested, they have to be put somewhere. Will you be able to travel? Will you be able to move around? What if they have a traffic stop and they check to see if you've been vaccinated and you haven't? In the FEMA wagon, you go. We're going to have to, at some place, sometime, make up our mind just to stay right here and not leave. <clears throat> can't go to the grocery store. Can't go to the gas station. We'll just be here. Because if you go out that gate and they catch you, uh, you're in jail, in prison, in FEMA camp, concentration camp and scheduled to die. They're talking of that very openly right now. And some in government are talking about it. It's not just alternative news, but there's quotes from government officials about this. Some are saying mid-September. I don't know whether it'll come that quick, or what'll happen, or how it'll happen. But they're preparing for another pandemic to hit. And I'm sure they're preparing the one that they want to hit. And there are rumors about that as well. It goes on and on. So famines, pestilences, earthquakes. You know, Hillary just hit Southern California, including the Imperial Valley in Southern California, which produces a great deal of food for this country. And it even went on up into northern, middle and northern California and probably affected some of those crops as well. And all that rain fills the dams and they have too much water. So, was that hurricane man-made? If I had to bet money on it, I'd bet that it was. I wouldn't go the other way. These people have very close contact with the prince of the power of the air who has the capacity to make tornadoes, has the capacity to make hurricanes. Remember Job's children? God turned him loose on them, so he sent a huge storm, probably a tornado, and wiped them all out. But that wasn't a natural tornado or storm, whatever form it took. It was something that Satan sent. He has that power. And now you have 
Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum and his weird little, in my opinion, Harari, who is his spokesman. Uh, and they're saying we are obtaining godly powers and we are going to become God, was one of his statements. You think the prince of the power of this world is not in close association with those guys? Doesn't it say we don't fight flesh and blood with principalities and powers of the air? Now, there's an awful lot going on right now about unidentified flying objects and uh, aliens and how we're in contact with aliens and someone just testified before Congress, this isn't just in the back corner now, that they've had contact with aliens and I think there's something they even said about them having found a body. Are we going to be invaded from outer space? Yes. Undoubtedly. Satan and his demons are in outer space and they're here and there and back and forth. And they have unidentified flying object capacity. Now the U.S. military and other militaries have made some of these things that are amazing in themselves. My son drives by uh, Cheyenne Mountain weekly between Colorado Springs and where they live down near Canyon City. One of the biggest bases there is in the world right there, connected with tunnels apparently underneath Denver International. And sometimes he goes home late at night. He's been working on computers in Springs two, three o'clock in the morning, and he sees some absolutely amazing flying objects that come and go in an instant right there on that base. And that's probably U.S. military stuff there. So where does man's capacity to build some of these things and Satan's capacity to inspire or produce his own and show them. Where does one begin and the other end? We don't really know. But a lot of alternative news are talking about these aliens, and Steve Quayle and others talk about the giants that came from demons and men, and I think the Bible debunks that. But that doesn't mean there aren't alien powers out there that are very, very mighty, and that's Satan and his demons. We know what they are. We don't have to wonder about it. And they're getting more and more active all the time and showing themselves, I think, more and more all the time and disrupting things a great deal more. And weather is part of it. They were working on controlling weather back in the 50s, at least as early as the 50s, maybe earlier. And Lyndon Johnson even said in a speech the ones who control the weather will control the world. So he was very aware of the work being done on controlling the weather. And it is being done in Lahaina. Probably Hillary, aptly named, coming in and doing a lot of destruction. And so on and so forth. 
But what does that create? Famine and pestilence. Crops destroyed. So we've been seeing these things, haven't we? <clears throat> and earthquakes in different places. They now say that they can create an earthquake instantaneously with directed energy weapons. And that this one recently, where was it, Indonesia, wherever it was, uh, some have said that the, in, the evidence is there that that was a man-made earthquake. I don't know on that. Now, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, we've been seeing these things. Those are the beginnings of the sorrows that are coming, okay? What's next? Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. This is Christians. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. False prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, I've read those scriptures in the book of Revelation over the years. And, it was, and it's interesting to read. Let's go back to chapter 17 for a moment. Because this is talking about Babylon the Great, and I think we have established, and others have, without question, that the United States is the Babylon of prophecy. We are the nation of Israel. We are the nation of Ephraim, to be specific. <coughs> but we are also ruled over by Babylon the Great. And here... It says in chapter 17, talking about the great whore that sits upon many waters. Who does God call the great whore? Ezekiel 16. It's Israel. We're the great whore. Not the Catholic Church and the Vatican. Now the Vatican's a whore. No doubt about it. But America and Israel are even bigger ones. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. You read chapter 18, and it talks about how great a merchant, and how the merchants are crying and wailing out in the ships because they don't have trade goods anymore. That's not the Catholic Church. Uh, they don't have great worldwide trade going on. Uh, we do. And on and on it goes. I can't do another 40 sermons on that. But notice verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. When you break that down and see what America has done, there is no other nation that even comes close to fitting that description. And one of the things that this is going to happen is that this harlot is going to be killed by the beast and false prophet later in this chapter. Now, if it was the Catholic Church, why would the beast and the false prophet destroy the Catholic Church? 
That doesn't make sense. She's part and parcel with them. We are against them as a so-called Christian nation. But notice what it says then. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, I've read that over the last 50 years. I don't know how many times. <coughs> and until a few decades ago, I never really thought of it as America. I could easily plug the Vatican into that part. But they're supposedly Christians as well. <coughs> but America hasn't killed thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians, has it? No, not so far. But are you beginning to see it building up day by day by day? Churches are burned. Uh, pastors are put in jail for teaching Christ. It's happening more and more around. Uh, Muslims can stand up and do anything they want and shout to their gods. Nobody says a thing. <coughs> you start screaming about <coughs> being a Christian and they shut you up. The schools are starting to do it more and more. There was a kid, high school kid, had an American flag posted on his truck the other day. They expelled him from school and took his flag. Now, that's a patriotic, probably Christian American. It's happening more and more. And it's not long before Christ's words in Matthew 24 are fulfilled in Revelation 17. It talks, I think it's chapter 5, in fact, earlier in Revelation. <coughs> no, it's 6. Uh, the fifth seal, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, verse 9, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and wise, until you avenge us? And white robes were given to them, and so on, but they had to stay in their grave a little season yet until their fellow servants and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So we have those who have been killed in the past, in various ages, and then we have those who are waiting to be killed. They are alive today, spread across our country, and it's going to get so bad in this country that if you're a Christian, you will be killed for it. And he's talking about true saints here when the tribulation starts, who will be martyred for Jesus' sake. It's not talking about Methodists and Baptists and Mormons. It's talking about true Christians. It will happen to them. So what Christ said in Matthew 24 there, when we've seen nation rise against nation, We've seen famines, pestilences, and earthquakes increasing, and they'll continue to. Then, very shortly thereafter, we're going to see Christians being killed because they have the name of Christ. Now, I've always kind of pictured that 
Satan or the beast, the false prophet, would appear in a hologram coming down from the clouds, just as it says Christ will when he comes to the Mount of Olives, but they might do something as a uh, parody of that, not the word, but as a, a representation of it, and Satan would appear, or the beast or the false prophet would appear as Christ. I, I'm rethinking that a little bit. I don't know, because it will be coming as the Antichrist. Against Christ is what he will be coming as. And by then, there won't be many Christians left. Uh, most so-called Christians are in Western Europe, America, Canada, South Africa, a few scattered here and there around the world. But they're mostly going to be killed, martyred. So why does he need to come looking like Christ? He might come down out of the heavens, yes, but he's got to be something that appeals to the Arabs, to the Chinese, to the Japanese, Buddhism, Shintoism, Allah, all of them, got to appeal to the whole world. So exactly what form that will take, I guess, remains to be seen. But it's going to be so powerful that it would deceive the very elect if possible. So some element of Christianity might be included in it so that it is an, has, somehow has a universal appeal to everybody. And the World Economic Forum and the Pope and others are working very, very hard right now on building a religion that will appeal to the whole world. It will have something for everybody. You might not like this part of it, but you sure like this part. So it will have something that has an appeal everywhere. And Christianity won't really matter, but it may have some of that because it is to be something to replace Christ's coming, then it must have some of the appearance of some of the things that it says will be about Christ, with Christ, and the Christ. It has to be similar in some respects, and yet have all these other things attached to it to make everybody like it. I don't know exactly what it's formed, but they're working on it. Very hard. But anybody who uses the name of Christ, true Christian or not, is going to be killed. That's just the way it is. So, true Christians who have abandoned the truth in Christ will turn in each other and say, He's one, He's one to take it off themselves. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So Christ said this is going to be very difficult. There's going to be a lot of death. And that Babylon the Great, that's America, will kill Christians. And if you don't see the leftists in Washington right now working toward that end, you're not very awake and aware. They're headed that way very, very rapidly. And even saying so, some of the leading politicians. 
So that's where they're headed. It's not going to be just the Catholic or the beast and the false prophet. It's going to be Babylon the Great that kills its own people. Then he says it could deceive the very elect. And then right after the tribulation, which is three and a half years in verse 29, there will be all kinds of signs appear in a trumpet and then Christ will return. So these things are all joined together very closely here at the end. And we're already seeing uh, verses 6 through 8 fulfilled. And more and more rapidly, you think Lahaina is the last place they're going to incinerate? We're going to get to Jeremiah 50 and 51, maybe yet today. And it even talks about our cities being set afire. Well, now people have interpreted that as nuclear. Not necessarily. Now we have an example of an American city being obliterated, probably, with a new weapon. Directed energy weapon. Scary. And look what it just did. I think that's pretty obviously what they did. The heat there was so much greater than a fire normally produces. If you had set a fire in the woods and it started burning houses, it wouldn't have reached the temperatures where people were turned to ash. It takes an awful lot of fire to do that. Uh, they To cremate someone... They have to run the heat way up and leave it for a certain amount of time before it begins to incinerate. <coughs> and that's what was done to some of those people there. So the blood of the saints is coming. Aliens, food sources destroyed. Masks will be put on. May be pretty easy in the civil war that is coming, and the Jeremiah talks about civil war. If the patriots, so called, and the Christians, some of them, don't wear masks, and all the leftists and Democrats are wearing masks, that makes it easy to know who to shoot. You can't tell by skin color necessarily. You might be able to tell by purple and pink hair and some of the clothes they wear and tattoos and so on and so forth to a certain degree, but masks would make it very clear. <laughs> you either wear one and get shot by patriots or you don't wear one and get shot by leftists. It just makes it real easy. I don't know exactly how it's coming down. But back to that alien thing for a moment. Less people begin to think, well, this is the U.S. government doing that to us. There's so much being said and written about aliens and UFOs right now, and it's becoming obvious and a public thing once it hits Congress. How long before they say, aliens set that fire? There's a UFO. We saw it. It set that fire. I saw a picture of Lahaina burning and there was a perfect circle in that fire that you'd never see in a normal fire. What was that? I don't know. It wasn't there. But I don't 
I don't doubt they'd start blaming it on aliens. And then the whole world would turn against this alien power. That could be one way that they get all of the nations to come together because they're fighting a common foe. Instead of fighting each other, you know, it's in families, sometimes brothers fight each other tooth and nail, bang, bang, bang. But then you see somebody outside the family that comes and attacks one of them, and then they all turn against the common foe. That's as old as third grade. And it could happen very easily here that they blame it on alien forces, and that helps unite the world into a one-world government. So they can do it with finances, they can do it with disease, they can do it with blaming aliens. There's a lot of stuff that's happening right now. Now, is this some of what Jeremiah talked about? What's coming to pass? Let's add one more element to that in Joel 2. This one I used to think about over the decades, long time. And now it's here. Uh, Joel, chapter 2. Now this is talking <clears throat> about blowing the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm for the day of the Lord's coming. So this is in time. This is shortly before Christ comes. And it's a warning to God's people, to the church, uh, to start with, that this is close. Be ready, be prepared, be close to God, turn to God, fast and pray. Uh, turn to God as if your life depended on it, might be a good way of putting it, because He's the only source of life. But He talks about these armies that are starting. We had a song about it in our hymn book about God's army thinking this was the church. No. Didn't all the way through the book of Lamentations he talk about how he had sent the trouble? He had sent the war? Doesn't he talk about how he's going to send the northern army against us, against Israel, to destroy us? <coughs> These are the armies that God is using to punish us. The Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, whoever all else winds up being a part of it. A consortium against America, a coalition against America, is forming right now. And BRICS is adding those six nations formally now. And those are very, very, three of them at least, very, very important nations to the economy of the world and the peace of the world. So this is coming very quickly. Now let's read a little bit here. <clears throat> a fire devours before them. I wonder if you read this to the people who survived Lahaina. Uh, if this could be something that's happening. And behind them a flame burns. The land is as the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. Is that just a start? I've been to Lahaina. A beautiful place. Wonderful, beautiful waters. Verdant with palm trees and green everywhere. 
uh, endless beaches and the little old quaint town there. Beautiful place. Compare it to the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> used to like to go to Hawaii in the winter when I was in Alaska pretty often because it was certainly more Edenic than Alaska was in January. Beautiful place. And now behind this fire, nothing. Is this the beginning? Is it here, in other words? Nothing shall escape them. They had cops posted on the road in and out of the town, not letting you through. The ones that went back got burned or jumped in the ocean, and the ones that slipped around somehow and went through the woods got away. But they won't even let you out. Does that tell you this is man-made or not? The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots, the tops of the mountains, like the noise of a flame of fire that devours the stubble, as strong people set in battle array, before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness, famine. They don't leave anything behind. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war, like soldiers. And they shall march everyone on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city, and run upon the wall, climb upon the houses, and enter in the hot windows like a thief. What does that sound like to you? That's artificial intelligence. That's robots. They have some now that are self-healing already. If they fall, they won't die. They'll heal themselves and get up and go on. Russia has already said recently that they are thinking seriously about putting AI in as soldiers. And Russia will be the leader of those nations who come across against America. And I think very strongly, based on what they have recently said, based on how fast robots are taking over, I mean even jobs and things. Robots were total fantasy when I was a kid. You talk about them, and maybe they'll develop some someday. We got them now. They're taking jobs in fast food restaurants already, even in places in America. And Russia has developed them to the point of soldiers. They have powers beyond human power, is what this reads to me. Now, you shoot a man... And he falls down. He's not going to get up and heal himself and keep fighting. But if he's a self-healing robot, and they already have them, I don't know to what degree, but they're getting more and more sophisticated with it. They can do that. And they've already been proven to show 
that they can be programmed to kill people, or if not, they can reprogram themselves to kill people. This is scary stuff. You know, Americans think, well, we got our squirrel guns. We'll stop them. You're going to shoot a robot as it comes in? You're going to kill that? I don't think so. They got things out there now that are scary. These UFOs my son sees at the Air Force Base there in Colorado Springs, he says, are terrorizing. And they're right over the base. The U.S. military has developed things that are beyond our comprehension. And some of them are being developed apparently down in Antarctica and have been since the Nazis first went there after World War II. And some of their scientists were brought here, like Werner von Braun, who was the head of our space program. This Nazi was the head of the American space program back in the 60s. Where's all this come from and been? Was I raising a false alarm when I read Lamentations? Do you see an economic crash on the horizon? Is it looking more and more apparent every day that it's all going to collapse and they're talking about stamping your hand and your forehead? They're working on it. This isn't just something somebody said 40 years ago. They're literally building those currencies today, getting them ready. We already have cryptocurrency around the world that has been developed privately. You think the governments are much behind on that, even though they haven't introduced them yet? Where you're going to have to have a chip in order to function. Can't buy and sell without it. It's being developed. Probably already is pretty much developed by the governments and just waiting to the time that they introduce it. After they scatter a whole bunch more fear among the people. You create a problem, you create fear, and then you present a solution. Here's the problem to your inflation right here. Just take this little chip, and you can go to the grocery store, and you can buy food. What are you and I going to do? Are we going to buy food? I'm not. Might ought to have some set back ahead of time. Because you might need it for a while. Now God has said, when Christ sets up his little mini kingdom uh, with the church and the two witnesses, that we'll have food to eat, wine and milk without money, and it'll be like the Garden of Eden. There'll be food available. He says of Jerusalem, it'll be... Uh, small villages with much men and cattle there. Cattle are good to eat. So we're going to have food. But between now, when they're introducing this, and the time Christ intervenes, there could be an interim period there of weeks or months or a year or two. I don't know. It doesn't say. And if they introduce it, you can't buy and sell, and there's still a gap there between then a faith-trying gap. Are you ready to face that? 
Or will you say, Christ didn't do what he'd say. We don't have anything to eat. I guess I better go get my chips. They're not going to let me work unless I get my vaccination. Guess I better go get my vaccination. I'll not have a job. Can't buy and sell. Can't eat. So some people will knuckle under and they'll do what the New World Order and Satan want them to do. Others will trust God in Psalm 91 where it says these things will not come near your dwelling. Now when will he make that difference? I don't know. He hasn't yet. We lost one death, at least, to COVID already here. So he hasn't made that difference yet. When will he? I don't know exactly, but he said he would. And he said we'd have plenty to eat once he sets us up and he'd have a wall of fire to defend us and a cover over to take care of the wind and the rain and the storm and probably the helicopters and bombs. He said he's going to do these things. Now, I see a world that is getting very, very dangerous to live in. Twenty years ago, ten years ago, I'd go anywhere on the earth and did. Went on a world, round-the-world trip. Been to Africa many times. Been to other places. I didn't fear it. Now, I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> It's just too dangerous out there from too many different directions. I wouldn't want to go back to New Zealand on a bet. Been there twice in my life. I wouldn't go back now. They've got government in there that's as bad or worse than we got in Washington, D.C. And they're cracking down on people and masks and all kinds of things. I don't want to go out and get off a plane in New Zealand. Thank you. That is one of the friendliest places on earth over the decades. Not anymore. So is Jeremiah's lament ancient history or future way off prophecy? Or can you see these things happening right now, today, as we go from day to day and week to week through life? All those things Christ said would happen are happening Except they haven't made it fair game to kill all Christians yet. So that prophecy about Babylon the Great killing Christians has not yet happened. We're going to see all this famine and disease and earthquake, nations fighting each other. Then we're going to see the martyrdom of saints. Martyrdom of anyone who says he's Christian, regardless of whether he's a true saint or not. Right here, in this country, it's coming soon to a church near you. It's coming soon to a town near you. Anything that smacks of Christianity is hated by these new people in charge of the governments of the world. And they're coming after anything Christian. Be aware, be prepared, be ready, and ironically, Christ is the only one who can save you from the persecution of Christians. Christ himself is the answer to the problem. Now, Satan knows Christ, and he knows 
those who are followers of so-called Christianity. And Satan also knows who are the true Christians. Knows them well. Knows them by name. Knows all of you. Knows me. Satan is very aware of us. Did he know who to go after when God said, go get Job and his kids? Yeah, he knew exactly where to go. He knew exactly where to go to try to uh, seduce Christ into worshiping him. When the twelve apostles were there and he sent enemies, he knew exactly where to send them. He knew all those apostles. He knew all those Christians. Let me prove that in one example. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He goes to God on a regular basis to accuse you and me of sin. Now, he has to know who we are. He has to know where we are. He needs to be able to see us and how we live and try to find things that he can use to falsely accuse us. So he is very aware of us. His demons are very aware of us. Some of us have been personally attacked by demons over the decades in the church. They're very real, and they know who the church is. The church is the only light of the world. And Satan hates light. So every Christian that walks the face of the earth, who is a real Christian, is something that irritates Satan greatly. It's kind of like trying to sleep with a yard light shined right in your face. He hates that. And he knows where that light's coming from. Make no mistake about it. And he tries to get that light put out. And he's about to turn this whole nation's government against anybody who is a Christian, including NATO soldiers who are not Christians from all countries, and bring them in here to get rid of every last Christian and Christian church. Even if it's just a so-called one. But those aren't a light in his eyes like a true Christian. Those are false churches that he already has in his hand. He's the ruler of the Methodists, the Baptists, the Catholic, the Mormon churches. He's their leader. He's their ruler. He's their father. Christ said the Pharisees' father was Satan. And they claim to worship the true God. But he says, no, your father is the devil. And the same true of all these so-called Christian churches. They don't know they worship the devil, but they do. They don't know God. They just have Christ's name, and that's it. So the true Christians are the ones that put out some light. And Satan knows where they are. He sees these little points of light. Isn't it strange that the elitist rulers of this world refer to themselves as the Illuminati. Thousand points of light, George Sr. Bush said. 
They think they're the lights of the world, set to rule the world. No, it's the true Christians who are God's light to the world. And Satan knows for sure where they are, every last one of them. Whether their light be dim or their light be bright, he knows where they are. They stick out in the darkness like beacons. And he goes before God with your name and my name, knows who we are, goes to Father in heaven and to Jesus Christ and accuses us. And the Father will either accept that accusation as true or false, but in any case, he turns to his son and says, we'll cover that under your blood. And Satan goes away frustrated and comes back down here to find something else to accuse us of. Because like Job's children, he wants us all dead. And like God, God wants us all alive. Now, which one are you going to go to? The one that wants you dead or the one that wants you alive? We better turn to God because all Christians are coming under persecution and it's going to be by this government of this nation before the nation goes under. So it's got to happen very quickly because this nation is very close to going under. I hope we all see that. I think we do. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir here and didn't need to say these things. But I thought as a follow-up to the horror that is the book of Lamentations, we need to understand how close it is to occurring right here, just as the prophet Jeremiah said it would.